Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast where it is Stat Nerd Thursday. I'm Matt Harmon, joined as always by my fellow. You know, the whole nerd thing is kind of pejorative. So um, I'm just going to say stat aficionado, stat uh, stud, Dalton Del Don. Anyways, before we get into all the fun, Dalton, how's it going? Going well. I'm cool with the, new, the nerd moniker. No problem there. But um, but yeah, I appreciate you trying for, for a better a better term. I'm doing my best here, buddy, at least for you, not for me. Uh, It is what it is. But anyways, before we get into all the fun, Dalton, I got to pay some bills here. So pre-show business. Are you worried about your draft after just two weeks? Is Kyle Shanahan personally destroying your season? Uh, Yeah, how about destroying my life? Well, you need to sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus. The Trade Hub can help you find a trade partner in your league and get your roster back on track. The research assistant will help you optimize your lineup, and Andy Barron's weekly newsletter will provide you with the insight you need to get back in the W column. You can do all this with a free trial at yahoofantasyfootball.com. Slash plus. I tell you what, the hardest question to answer, the most frustrating question to get as an analyst is when somebody just sends you a screenshot of their team and says, here's my team. Who should I trade for? Well, I don't know, man. I mean, like you've given me such incomplete information. I don't know uh, what the rest of the teams in your league look like. Like, why don't you just try for a trade that's going to make your team better, but also helps the other person. There is another person involved here. So I think this trade hub sounds great. That is a non uh, written endorsement by me because it would make my life easier. Yeah, I hear you. So much context is needed for the uh, the questions on Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like a definite tool to check out for sure. Absolutely. All right. So big news here to start off today is that Brian Flores confirms that Tua is out for this coming week with his rib injury. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is going to start. Jacoby Brissett didn't look so great last week. So Dalton, how is this changing your projection for the Miami Dolphins offense this week? Yeah, obviously it's bad news uh, for all the receivers and Will Fuller is back this week as well. So it's going to be more crowded. Brissett's uh, not great. Uh, It will help with the whole week of practice. I really have confidence in this Dolphins coaching staff, but um. One uh, one nerd stat was the uh, the Raiders are actually getting a lot of pressure, surprisingly, this season among the league leaders, and the Dolphins are allowing among the league leaders a pressure stat. Actually, I think Tua was was maybe number one or two um, pressure allowed, that offensive line. So that's a problem So uh, if you look at it on paper. But again, I think the coach will be better. And, and you know, how the Raiders have to play as favorites, you know, and everyone's going to be on them, and they've looked so good uh, the first two weeks. 
I could see the Dolphins ugling it up and keeping it close from a real life perspective. But obviously, bad news for fantasy. If you're in Superflex, um, uh, I believe I play in one. We we both play in Brad Evans went after Brissett, so I get it. If you're in a deep Superflex, he runs, so uh, he's now becomes a viable option. But this is bad news for all Dolphins involved. Uh, and two poor Tua, you said he can't stay healthy. Um, but I will say it's not that like he was lighting it up, you know, to begin with. But um, yeah, too, it's too bad. No, Tua, I was talking to my dad on the phone the other day. And this is definitely what people tune in for is my conversations with my dad about football players. I remember actually two years ago, he talked about how smart he thought Dwayne Haskins was from like a financial perspective because he saw some video on him. And then like three weeks later, he was like in a covid laden strip club so with by my dad on that one but the thing that we were talking about yesterday is but we both agreed like tua is um tua is kind of like the worst combination of, i don't i don't not like totally out on the guy but the the biggest problem with him is that he is a conservative quarterback who also makes like boneheaded mistakes which is really pro- it's a problematic com- combination at least if you're gonna make boneheaded mistakes you got to be like ryan fitzpatrick and pay off with the positive side of variance there but it is what it is. I, I'm not the biggest Jacoby Brissett fan. I think he's like a backup caliber quarterback, but we've seen him in previous ecosystems with the Colts, right? Like thrive decently well, at least to the point where, again, they kept him around even after, you know, solving the quarterback position, quote unquote, at like dealing with the fallout from Andrew Luck by signing Phillip Rivers. They keep Jacoby Brissett around as like a quality backup. That makes a ton of sense to me. I think he's a good backup. But this Dolphins ecosystem, like I'm starting to really question where we're at here. Like this, this offensive line, as you mentioned, is bad to the point that like Brian Flores is calling them out in press conferences. They're kind of calling themselves out there too, saying like, you know, Austin Jackson, their first round picket uh, offensive tackle has not worked out so far to this point. Like I do not think this is a situation where Jacoby Brissett is uh, set up to succeed. And it's just tough for Will Fuller who comes back this week. I I really still like Will Fuller's fit in this offense and what he can do, but I'm, I'm probably going to be out on – it's tough because I think the Raiders' secondary is exploitable. But, man, yeah, Max Crosby and those guys, like, have definitely taken a leap from a pass-rushing perspective. Yannick Ngakwe also looks great this year in this defense. He does, yeah. Instead of anything, or you said it all, we're talking dads. I got, I'd got. i be remiss if I didn't say my old man. He would fly to Reno once a week, bet a not insignificant amount of money on a team every week uh, uh, for for twenty years, and he could not name five players in the NFL. So, uh, oh he my was an, god, a, a very different guy, my dad, a wild wild man. But uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, enough, what enough a badass. Dolphins. What a yeah, badass. He, he, was, he, he was very different, dude. My dad, my dad was very very different, and I'm not exaggerating. He could not name five. Five players currently in the NFL at that at oh that moment. God. But um, anyway, so let's move on to the next topic. It sucks that Tua went down again. I hope this yeah. is not a theme for the poor guy. And rib injuries are super painful. And I mean, Daryl Henderson has cartilage damage in his. So it's a couple a couple rib injuries in the NFL last week. Yeah, it was a bad week for ribs in the NFL. Um, we'll see what happens there. I mean, I think it was kind of compared to like Drew Brees when he had the the rib injury and then came back like last year. But I mean, this was like that was like Drew Brees' last ride. Of course, he was going to come back. We'll see. I would expect to it and maybe I, I think he kind of I, I my guess is he misses multiple weeks. My, that's my guess right now. But quickly, hey, we're talking about stat nerds. What about the raid the Raiders leading the NFL in air yards? Like, what is happening? What, what, what? Like, and he's like, he's just going all out. I love it, man. Derek Carr, I didn't see this coming. I criticized Gruden over and over about his draft picks, the the free agency. But man, maybe this even actually in a weird way proves he's so good on the field. If he wasn't hurting himself with all the the personnel decisions, yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe his X's and O's are getting to get it done. It's pretty wild that they lead the league in air yards through two weeks. I think I, I tweeted this out 
last year during that Raiders Chargers game, the Marcus Mariota one. And of course, like, cause Gruden lost the game, then this totally, totally got misinterpreted. Like, this is when I thought I was like, I should be like Dalton and just never tweet. Uh, cause like <laughs> during the early portion of that game, I was like, John Gruden is really underrated as an offensive play designer and an offensive play caller overall. I mean, Gruden, the head, that's, that's when then people were like, then of course they lose that game. They kind of blow it. And it was like, oh, you see these idiots were sticking up for John Gruden. It's like, listen, you can absolutely take umbrage with John Gruden as a head coach and as a personnel guy and just the way he relates to people in general. But like, I heard Mitchell Schwartz, uh, you know, former Chiefs offensive tackle uh, on the athletic football show talking about he's like he was basically Sean McVay before he was Sean McVay. Like the way that they the way that they lined Darren Waller up as the ISO receiver um, or like the X receiver on three by one sets, stuff like that. He he's got some creative stuff. And like I the first the first time it popped up to me was when he had Amari Cooper his first year. He was the first one to take Amari Cooper. The Dallas Cowboys have obviously perfected it, but he was the first one to take Amari Cooper and move him off that X receiver position and actually like use a lot of motion at the line of scrimmage. So I think Gruden is absolutely underrated as a play caller. I think him and Carr have just kind of connected at this point. And the thing with Derek Carr that's always been frustrating about the down the field perspective is he can whip it, man. He's got a pretty good arm. Like he was known as a, a guy that had a gun coming out of college, but he just has never seemed Fresno. Yeah, Fresno yeah. State. Fres- I could call it Fres, yes. But yeah, he and Devontae <laughs> Adams would play catch at Fresno State. Right. I mean, yeah, no, for right. sure. He could absolutely throw the ball downfield. Yeah. And then but then they then they turn to Peyton Barber, Matt. Then he then he gives Peyton Barber all these carries. So it's just maddening, man. I don't know what's going on. That's what I'm saying. From like a player um like a depth chart perspective and a like, you know, personnel perspective. Gruden makes some questionable choices, but I think it's a credit too because this was Gruden's thing in Tampa was just always cycling through goofball quarterback to goofball quarterback, like old guys or whatever. But he has seemed like to be patient with Derek Carr, and I think the patience has paid off overall there so yeah i i think that we're gonna get a really i i don't know that the the numbers are sustainable where they are right now but i could talk myself into a situation where as uh mitchell schwartz was talking about it on this pot on this podcast like him potentially having like a 2017 alex smith season where like he has he takes that late career step you know where he uh where he did with the chiefs that year and they finally got the personnel around him. And I mean, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, these guys can play and they can win downfield. They haven't really had a lot of downfield ball winners there. Brian Edwards is a downfield ball winner and uh, Henry Ruggs obviously has speed. So I think this is sustainable with the Raiders. Uh, we'll talk more about their backfield a little bit later with one of the stats that I had. Um, well, one of only two AFC teams undefeated through two weeks this season, the Raiders. Crazy. And they play and they play the Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett in week three to tie it all right. back around. I think they're going to come out of this one three and oh in this spot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. To, I'm actually just excited to watch that game. The Raiders are pretty fun on offense right now. And Carr's doing it behind a bad offensive line, too. Like this offensive line, we're, that, that's the point I'm going to make later, have not played well. So, we'll, we'll, again, we'll come back uh, to that one. Only other piece of news, Justin Fields is starting. I feel like we've all kind of known that was going to happen. Is this changing your um, – your perspective on the Bears offensive players at all or what do you what do you kind of expect here yeah not really with the receivers unfortunately I mean it probably can't get any worse um but I know in the short sample he was actually throwing the ball even less downfield than Andy Dalton and he's probably going to run a lot but fantasy wise you're firing up fields it's exciting because of his rushing upside and he's a wild card for those considering the Browns and Survivor you know big big time Mm -hmm. wild card now yeah I don't know do you have do you have a perspective as far as Allen Robinson and Mooney this affects them because I don't I don't really have a, a take on that 
I did the Browns in my Survivor last week, luckily. So I I, I took the coward's way out. I uh I, I almost and I almost fr- I was freaking out about it a little bit. Tyrod was giving me a little heat uh, under my ass there on that one. But anyways, I think that when you look at Justin Fields, went back and watched that game. I think the stats are a little misleading. Like there was one um, touchdown pass that Darnell Mooney dropped. There was a long touchdown pass that Allen Robinson like almost looked like he was slow to adjust to. And then as he was, it just bounced off his hands there. And my theory on that is as a longtime a Rob guys, like that's probably the best downfield ball that Allen Robinson has got since like 2015, bro. Like he wasn't ready for that. He's, Dealing with Andy Dalton all the time. Like, that is the one thing I think if you have Allen Robinson and as somebody has got a lot of Allen Robinson on their fantasy teams, dynasty teams, whatever, I am excited because I think Fields will push this, will push the ball downfield. I think, I think Justin Fields is going to be more aggressive. Andy Dalton has been one of the least aggressive. I don't know if he's thrown a pass like 15 plus, 15 plus yards down the field, or, or if he has, you can count them on one hand so far this year. Some of that's the offensive line and everything, but, and that's going to be a problem for Fields too. But I just think it does boost the ceiling of the overall offense. And David Montgomery is a workhorse. He's, he's been handling a ton of work. Like I, I do think this is exciting for – I'm excited about it for Robinson and Montgomery, especially a little bit for Darnell Mooney and some of these other players. But um, he's definitely going to take some passing volume with how much he's going to scramble and everything like that. But I think the efficiency is much more important right now for these Bears pass catchers. So Fields is good news there. Um, the only other thing I, I would add, too, for um, for Justin Fields is I, I do not think that – like Matt Nagy can say as much as he want that that Andy Dalton will be the starter when he comes back. If Fields goes out there and has a good game or two, however long it takes Andy Dalton's knee to heal up, he's not going back to Andy Dalton. He can say it as much as he wants. I don't know what the point of saying it is, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, maybe he's just saying that in case Fields looks really bad, so he doesn't. It looks like you know he has a safety net. Oh, I was going to go back to Dalton all along, but yeah, I agree with you. It's got to be Fields moving forward, and it was cool. If, uh, I don't know if you saw the sound bites of Dalton really rooting for Fields last week after yeah. he was on the sideline injured. It's cool. cool. Yeah, I, I, hopefully that's just coach speak, and this is Fields' show for the rest of the rest of the way. I just don't know what the point. I don't know what the point would be of, of going back to to Andy Dalton. But hey, I'm uh, I'm not Matt Nagy, who has put himself in a brain pretzel for less that kicker thing a few summers ago. That's a uh, that's that's kind of a that's 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 the big problem there. Uh, last piece of news: uh, Kyle Shanahan, aforementioned Kyle Shanahan, ruiner of fantasy dreams, uh, says that the 49ers, quote would never fully rule out signing professional boxer Frank Gore. Dalton, your take. Nice with the professional boxer. Yes, I thought the career mid-change about, what is he, 38 years old? I love Gore. The guy suffered two knee injuries in college and suddenly turned, and then turned into one of the most durable players in NFL history. But man, this is really, uh, I can't speak ill will of Franklin Delano, but he, uh, he's a little old. He's a little old for the running back position. Let me say that. Then, boy, my Niners are suffering a lot of injuries if we're talking Frank Gore right now. Wow. They drafted two, by the way, in this recent draft. I mean, this is craziness. But uh, yeah, I would say Gore um, probably probably is in more in retirement mode now, Best. Yeah, I would I would guess so, too. Um, the fact that we're even talking about it, though, I think speaks to the, yeah. the situation of uh, where, where San Francisco finds them. Who did they sign today? They signed somebody. They signed somebody today, right? I know well, they signed I a guy. From the... it. Yeah, it's a yeah, Jacques, someone, something or another. I'm, yeah, uh, but that was yesterday. I, I think they actually. Someone I think else. They, I think they signed someone else today. I I'd have to go and look at it. But yeah, they the guy that they did sign though. Again, I'm I'm blanking on on his name too. It's it's been a long day, guys. But he, he was he was actually having some like I think it was with the Bengals, right? Some preseason hype. So like there is some 
there's some appeal there, but yeah, no, I mean, oh, it's it, they signed Chris Thompson to the practice squad. The 49ers mm-hmm. did like, wow. good God. I mean, we're almost to Frank Gore at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, yeah, no, Elijah Mitchell now it said a little bit worse than they thought the stinger. So he's a chance he plays. And the problem is this is a Sunday night game too. That's yeah. the real, real problem for fantasy. And Trey Sermon looks good to go. I mean, looks hopefully, uh, I think they listed him as limited, but yeah, that's a situation that's fluid and you just need to pay attention to, but very frustrating considering they're facing a Packers team. That's so inviting to run against. I mean, last year's game was, uh, you know, the crazy with the COVID players, but, uh, the championship oh game, yeah. most might've, you know, continued still just ran another touchdown. So, so, yeah, frustrating situation with so many injuries there. Yeah, they could probably uh, have put Mostert out there with one good knee and, and he would have run for like 100 yards in that game. But we'll we'll come back to the Niners later because it wouldn't be a podcast with Dalton and I without talking about the Niners. And I do have a stat with them that I want to go over. All right, let's move into our stats, the trends we love to see, the trends we hate to see. Um, I didn't really group this up by love or hate today. I just mostly kind of threw some, uh, some lists out there and I want us to kind of pick what we find the most interesting. I saw this stat come in from uh, Pat Thorman who works for Establish the Run. I thought this was really interesting. Interesting because this stat, you know, yards before contact, I think can be um, it can be indicative of a couple things, right? It's number one, it could be offensive line, right? Like if a running back is getting a lot of yards before first contact, um, that could indicate a good offensive line performance. Um, if they're not getting a lot of yards before contact, maybe they're not getting a lot of holes to run through. It all could, also could just be scheme, and it's going to springboard me to talk about the player uh, that I. I want to talk to this. I want to talk about this first on this list. Tony Pollard has the most yards before contact of any running back at 4.2. Then it goes Devin Singletary, Melvin Gordon, Tyson Williams, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, Carlos Hyde, and Miles Sanders. Obviously, I think there's a theme here of a lot of satellite backs, right? But Pollard is interesting because I want to know what your thoughts are on the whole Zeke Pollard situation. Um, I think this stat does perfectly speak to how they've used and deployed Tony Pollard, which I think is good for the offense, but obviously probably not great news for Zeke Elliott's ceiling. Yeah, um, you know, last year Pollard's nerd stats weren't anything that more impressive than Elliott, but there's no question he's now a problem for, for Elliott's fantasy managers. I mean, he's seen a greater percentage of the carries than anyone expected. And he's a thing, and he's looked really good, and it's hard to argue he hasn't looked like quicker and spryer at this stage of their careers. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be an issue for Zeke. Um, yeah, hopefully, it keeps him fresher. It's funny to tell him you're so important. You know, Zeke, we want to, we're doing this to keep you pre- uh, fresher. Yeah. But in reality, they're probably thinking we want the superior player getting more touches. But um, he's going to get the high value touches still in Dallas. I expect to score plenty of points this season. So Zeke is going to be fine. And there's a lot of other running backs with question marks now too. You can almost point to every every single one, but a but a very small few. But Pollard is, what do you think? Is Pollard even a flex option now? He certainly has the, the huge upside yes. if Zeke were to go down. But now suddenly, yeah, he's, he's now, now is yes. a flex option given the usage in this high-octane high off- offense. 100%. I mean, I've had people ask me all week, like, pick up this guy or Tony Pollard off waivers. It's like, if Tony Pollard is on your waiver wire, he should be the slam dunk pickup 100%. He should be, he should be rostered in every single league. And I do think he's in the... I did not project him to be in this group, but I think he is in that like flex with benefits groups, like guys that, you know, he still has the part of his outcome that made him an appealing draft pick anyways. And that if Zeke goes down, now we're talking about the damn Tony Pollard show on an offense that's still been pretty efficient. Like they're still a top 10 offense by DVOA through two weeks, but I don't even think they've hit their stride yet. So you've got that part of Pollard, but now like, yeah, I think they're going to continue to use him. And, you know, I think the fact that he has so many yards before contact is a, 
it, it's it's not just a product of the way that their uh, their run blocking is. I think it's a product of how they're getting him out in space. The fact that they're getting him on like sweeps and stuff, and the receiving usage is really interesting for Pollard too, because Zeke has run sixty eight routes so far. That is a huge jump. It's 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 way more than than Pollard, but. Pollard's been targeted on 35% of his routes run compared to 5.9 for Zeke. Like, I think that that shows me that when Pollard's on the field, especially on passing downs, like he's getting designed plays to him. So, and it's good too, because the Cowboys are kind of light on threats right now. You know, Gallup's on IR, Cooper's banged up already. Like they need more juice in the passing game and and Pollard is going to give him that juice. Like I think Zeke is still... I would still feel comfortable projecting him for 10 plus total touchdowns this year because this offense is going to be good. And I think if like if you're a Cowboys fan, you got to love this news. I think you got to be so excited cuz Pollard's a good player. They're getting a good player involved that I didn't think they were going to get involved. I don't really care about the whole debate of like who's better, Pollard or Zeke. It doesn't really matter. I think they're both good backs. And actually I do think it is good if you're a Cowboys fan or if you're, you know, Zeke Elliott and you want to play for the long term. Guys has so many touches, so much mileage on his body. I think he will be more fresh as a result of this. Um, yeah, and they, you mentioned that the, uh, Cooper banged up and Gallup out, and Dallas is the fourth uh, fastest team uh, in pace so, uh, through two weeks in neutral game scripts. That certainly helps. So, um, yeah, I, I, he's even been given one carry inside the five already. So I'm with you here. Zeke's going to be just fine, but obviously it's not the best news, and Pollard is uh, suddenly a flex option. Yeah, again, if he is on your waiver wire, um, he should have been picked up already. Like, make sure he's rostered in 100% of leagues. But it, I was shocked of how many people asked me, like, should I pick up Tony Pollard? Like, he, there's no reason he shouldn't be on everybody's team. But also, yeah, I mean, he he's just a guy that should, yeah, should be rostered everywhere. Like, give me a break. Anyone else on this list stand out to you in terms of yards before contact? I mean, I think Tyson Williams is playing really well. I think I'm not really a believer in the whole Buffalo backfield thing, like Devin Singletary being second there. Like, he's definitely the 1A of this committee. But uh, I think he's kind of a sell based on his early season usage yeah me too there with moss those were really nice goal line runs two touchdowns last week and yeah maybe uh singletary is going to be a, a more in the flex range miles sanders it totally makes sense to be here with with hertz uh, running the show there but yeah none of these guys it's interesting i'm not really sure what to do with these stats you look at the fewest and it makes sense fundamentally with Najee yeah. harris on there and then two raiders that makes sense too you know uh, you see no 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 there. three three raiders Dalton. oh let's, you're right let's... i, I Wow, I missed. Yeah, so I missed. Let's, oh, let's, oh my God, uh, Peyton Barber. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Can't can't forget John Gruden's one A back, Peyton Barber. But yeah, let's move to the fewest side, which is as you mentioned, starts off in in like least worst to most worst here, just to be simple. Najee Harris, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, and then our Raiders run: Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Peyton Barber. The three uh, fewest yards before contact Peyton Barber a full minus 1.1 yard uh before first contact so just for the kids out there that's not good Uh, I mean the Raiders that's my point here is like Carr is doing this behind an offensive line I think this is uh, when you see three teammates here there's something more going on than just scheme this offensive line has not played well we know that they transitioned a lot of guys out the door this offseason to bring in younger players and then they've had some injuries on top of that so obviously it's showing up in their run blocking. I think it definitely shows up when you watch Derek Carr play. Like that's the one thing that is most impressive and why I believe that his early season performance might be sustainable. The biggest knock on Carr coming into the NFL and I think in the early years of his career is that he was not good under pressure. He did not like to, you know, did not like to function in traffic basically in the pocket. I think he's gotten so much better about that. And these first two games really show it. 
that's kind of why I think his performance is sustainable. But yeah, this running game stinks. I mean, bad. Like Josh Jacobs all banged up. We know that. And never has a co- never has a coach been more honest though than John Gruden when it, they asked about Kenyon Drake after Josh Jacobs goes down. He's like, no, nah, Peyton Barber is going to be the running back and. Kenyon Drake will play his weirdo little role, whatever he's doing there. Seven carries for nine uh, yards last week. So very honest of John Gruden, at least. Yeah, it was nice that he said that, but it is such a bummer for those who have Drake. You see Jacobs go down, and you're like, nice, and then it just didn't didn't affect his uh, his carries at all. The whole offseason, the Raiders made moves that were that pointed to the, their offensive line getting significantly worse, including drafting Alex Leatherwood in round one. I'm not a draft guy, but that was considered a reach, and I committed yeah. a ton of penalties, I guess, in college, and he's continued to through two weeks, although I think he's banged up now. But yeah, yeah. hasn't been great on the offensive line, but Carr's been, been great despite them so yeah impressed with with, with Carr's performance the first he's got to be one of the most uh, surprising players over the first two weeks of the year I think so Najee Harris also on this list is as you mentioned earlier it is ironic I saw Warren Sharp point this out on Twitter that you know the same Steelers beat writers that were so excited about them picking Najee Harris and how it was going to fix their running game are now you know despite the fact that the offensive line was a real big weakness you know, are now kind of saying at this point in the season, like, well, it's nothing. There's nothing Najee can do about it. It's not his fault that the running game stinks. Still, uh, he, he can't do it. The offensive line is just not good enough. It's like, well, that is kind of the thesis of why you don't take a first round running back, right? Where, where are you at with Najee? I know you were extremely high on him coming into this year. Uh, where are you at now? It's not. I would be less high on him uh, if I had to do it over. It's, it just looks like a problem. But the touches are there. He made the nice TD catch last week. But now Big Ben's already complaining about the offensive coordinator and injury through just two oh weeks. Oh, my God. De- Deontay Johnson going down, or I don't know if he's going to have to miss time yet. It remains super unclear. He posted like a cryptic message on Instagram saying the talking about a comeback, which may, maybe he's going to miss a week or a, a week of this week's game. You'd think that'd lead even more targets for Harris, but yeah, it hasn't. I mean, it'd be hard to be encouraged with that team so far offensively. I mean, it's what, what do you think about Najee? Uh, it, it's uh, the, the touches are, are huge, man. I mean, the, the, the snap percentage, yeah. but, but man, it's, it's also even it's, I guess it's what, this is what one of the few things that have been predictable. I mean, everything, everything seemingly is just chaotic in the NFL, but yeah, I guess this is what it was expected. He's getting all the touches, but he's also getting hit in the backfield more than any other running back in football. And that's a problem. Yeah, not great. And, um, the Steelers also in terms of like running, like he's getting all of the running back work, but in terms of like compared to the rest of the league, how many times Steelers running backs are touching the ball compared to the rest of the league, the Steelers are very, very low there. So yeah, it's like he's getting a hundred percent. This is, I guess the the problem with a player like this is he's getting a hundred percent of, I don't want to ruin any sponsors here, but he's getting a hundred percent. He's getting to eat the whole uh, Papa John's pizza. Right. Whereas like, you know, maybe a back like Tony Pollard is getting, and I'm not saying that you'd rather have Najee Harris than Tony Pollard, but just as an example here, let's say, let's say Zeke, right? Like Zeke is getting 60% of, uh, you know, artisanal, um, gourmet, homemade, like, uh, you know, brick oven, a damn brick oven pizza, right? Like one tastes objectively better than the other. Would you rather eat 60% of a really, really good quality pizza or get the whole damn Papa John's pie to yourself? I'm not, I'm just going to say, I know what I would prefer. I prefer the 60% of the good pizza. And I think that's kind of the situation that Najee Harris finds himself in. I probably need to eat something at some point. If these <laughs> are the analogies I'm coming down with, but um, yeah, Najee, I think is just, this is kind of, it's going to be a slog. I agree with you. The fact that Ben is already banged up and is, you know, making slide comments about the offensive coordinator. I heard he said something about, um, 
who, who you know guys aren't out there that should be out there or something it's like who's he talking about yeah. james washington like eric ebron <laughs> benny snell who's not playing in this offense that should be playing that's totally bizarre uh, so <laughs> Just Harris real quickly. He did surpass 80 yards and get five catches and a touchdown last week. Yeah. Would you rather him or would you rather Chubb and this Brown, Nick Chubb, who has this Browns offense who looks fantastic. We'll talk about Baker soon. But he's just getting, you know, totally splitting the work. You know, so the efficient, he's all super efficient, but lack of the volume. I mean, totally the opposite spectrum. Yeah, I think I'd go. I know you normally want to bank on um volume over efficiency but in this situation i'd rather bank on nick chubb i just i mean the ecosystem is so much better i think that he's not going to average six yards per carry the entire year um he's not going to score you know touchdowns at the clip he's scoring touchdowns on but he's playing in probably one of if not the best rushing ecosystems in the entire nfl and he's a great player like Najee Harris might be a great play. I don't know if Najee Harris is as good as Nick Chubb. I, I mean, it's hard to tell. I, he could be, but I know Nick Chubb is as good as Nick Chubb, and I know Nick Chubb is playing in, again, the best rushing ecosystem in the NFL team that we expect. I think the Browns are going to be a better team than the Steelers this year. Also, doesn't help Najee that the whole like every Steelers defensive player has like a messed up groin. You know, they're not they're they're banged up too. That's part of it too. Is like if they're gonna defense is gonna fall back. That's going to be problematic for him, too, from a game script perspective. I wouldn't argue that, but just to play devil's advocate, in full PPR, Najee may catch 50 more passes than, than Nick Chubb this year. That's that, all is That's all no, that is true. No, that is true. He does have more um, – he's he's less game script uh, dependent than Nick Chubb is, that's for sure. I mean, Nick Chubb, like in, in week one, when they're just nursing a lead for like 90% of the game, that's a Nick Chubb game. You know, we didn't expect it to be that way because it's the Chiefs, but – you do know when Nick Chubb's going to have his big games when he's not, but that's a good that's a good conversation. Like I could I could see people splitting fifty fifty on that because the ball the volume is so bankable for Najee, it's so bankable. But there are clear concerns. I think I had him ranked as RB twelve, RB thirteen, all like flip flopping him and Joe Mixon. That's a, that's a good one. Would you rather have Najee Harris or Joe Mixon? I uh, Najee before the year and I would switch I would change my mind I, I think there's more to there's more upside I got T Higgins getting injured but um there's more upside for the Bengals offense moving forward you know Burrow will get healthier um and they're using him I know there's a concern with his durability maybe I over that uh, was overblown too so no I, I would I would comfortably say Mixon what about you Harmon I think I'd say Mixon and uh, yeah I had those guys that like running back 13 and 14 flipping back and forth all off season I think I finally landed on Najee at 12 and Joe Mixon at 13. I think I'd flip those if I had the chance. But I still think Najee's like a lock to finish as a top 15 back. Like by the year, by year's end, there's going to be some games like week one. There's going to be a lot of games like week two where he catches a lot of passes and makes it and, you know, makes something happen on his own. But you kind of, I think even just after two weeks, you kind of know how this situation is going to go. And this was probably like the median outcome for Najee Harris, right? Like there's, there was a disaster scenario where he was like, and that's that does still exist, I guess, if Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. You know, then he's like 2016 Todd Gurley, where you know he's a good player, but he's stuck in a you know a, a hellish situation. Then the median outcome is probably this. Like, I don't think he's going to hit the high end of his range of outcomes where he touches the ball like 400 times on a on an average or slightly above average offense. I'm just going to kind of give up the ghost on that one with Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, totally. And then any other ones jump out on here? Just Chris Carson. Is that interesting at all? He's getting few no. uh, yeah, funds. Yeah, okay. Really. Yeah, nothing really to make of that. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, not really. I think he, he got a lot of goal line carries this past week. I think that might have something to do with it there. Um, and Good I don't point. care about Mark Ingram or Tevin Coleman. Okay. I don't care about yeah. that at all. It was interesting to see Tevin Coleman like kind of get thrown to to the bench in favor of Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, which is probably a smart idea. Those are your young explosive backs in New York. Like maybe go with that direction. But let's move on to the next one. I wanted to do kind of a deep dive on Kyler Murray in my column this week. So I included some of the stats that uh, I will be talking about on my Friday advanced stats notebook. Kyler Murray's depth of throw percentage this year is really interesting. On 15-plus air yard throws, that's 25% of his overall passes. Previous average is 19%. 20-plus air yard throws make up 18% of his overall passes. Previous average, 12.6. You kind of see where I'm going here. Kyler Murray is actually uncorking the ball downfield. And even more interesting... He's passing on 43% of his first downs. His previous average was 34.3%. His overall yards per attempt has jumped to over 10, where it was sub 7.2 in both of his first two seasons. Dalton, Kyler Murray, I think, has played better than perhaps... I mean, obviously, there's Mahomes and, you know, yada, yada. Uh, It's just like we can just yada, yada how good Patrick Mahomes is at this point. It's like, or Tom Brady, but like... Kyler Murray's played like a top five quarterback this year, and actually a lot of it has been through his passing, which is not the, the norm. Um, I think it's really exciting. That's the, This has been my one sticking point. I actually take it back. There's been a lot of sticking points with Cliff Kingsbury's offense over the years. One of the biggest ones is that they were like this, the horizontal raid. They were a small ball offense. But now Murray's actually uncorking this thing down the field. What's been your reaction to the uh, Kyler Murray experience here in the first couple of weeks? And uh, where do you see some of the pieces in this offense following? Obviously, Rondale Moore is a big talking point, too. I feel dumb for not having any Murray. I'm jealous of those who do. He looks like he's made the leap. It's clear that second half swoon last year was just that shoulder injury. of uh, 10.1 YPA, throwing the ball all around the field, and he's such a good runner. Don't forget, before that injury last year, he was on pace to finish with the most fantasy points of all time. And now they added Rondell Moore, replacing uh, Larry Fitzgerald's carcass. It, it's a problem <laughs> as a Niners fan. I mean, it, it this division is yep. so loaded. Good. And that defense is like sixth in DVOA, adding... Uh, JJ Swat and, and a couple, you know, recent early draft picks last couple of years. So the Cardinals looking really good. Um, even though they still don't move, imagine if they actually move the, their receivers around like every other team in the NFL. That might help uh, Murray out even further. But uh, ten again, ten point one YPA through two weeks. He's balling and he runs for fantasy. You know, I was drafting Lamar Jackson or even Dak or waiting or Josh Allen, but Kyler Murray might have been the answer to the fantasy QB position. I mean, I'm gonna probably put him pretty much as my QB one moving forward. I mean, it, it, it looks like it's a great combination. I am trying not to hate myself for taking Josh Allen ahead of Kyler Murray in multiple leagues. I, oh, me too. I definitely, but it's did. tough, but it's tough. Oh. It's tough to not hate myself for doing that just with the way Kyler Murray has started, but this was pretty hard to see coming. I lo- I mean, love your point about Larry Fitzgerald, you know, getting subbed out for Rondé Moore. Nobody wants to talk about it because everybody loves Larry Fitzgerald, but nice guy. The- I like him too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't, right? But, like, I mean, my God, what an upgrade to go. Like, it's just so apparent that taking all of Larry Fitzgerald's reps in this offense and giving them to Rondale freaking Moore has been such a huge lift. Now, I do think this performance could be sustainable. Maybe not to this degree. Like, I don't think he's going to average 10 yards per pass the entire year. But the deep passing, uh, the passing efficiency here for the Cardinals, I think could be sustainable. Because, one, 
Murray has the arm talent. He's always had the arm talent. You in his rookie year, he was uncorking heaters on deep posts and nine routes to Demir Bird, you know. And then DeAndre Hopkins comes in, that helps a little bit. And now, like, yeah, we're we're working with a really good receiver core here. Um, so I think the 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 passing efficiency is sustainable. I think for not to this degree, but somewhat for Kyler Murray, I think he's going to be, if not the QB one, like perhaps a lock top three guy the rest of the way on Rondale Moore though by the way they get Jacksonville this week they get they get Jacksonville like fire it up again for 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 that team we'll talk about them a little bit later too man I I tell you what Rondale Moore is so exciting I love this guy as a prospect I love him even more now because he's in this situation like this is the perfect offense for his skill set he's like basically golden Tate with more juice that's a pretty exciting thing, right? And the only problem is, though, his um, explosive week two outing did not come as a result of, like, leapfrogging the other two guys. We know they're going to play four receiver sets, but it does look like Rondale Moore's the fourth receiver. And the fact that I think A.J. Green is has has had positive returns for the Cardinals so far. Christian Kirk is not a bad player. He's just like a a solid number three guy. It's going to be tough to predict the big boom weeks for everybody in this offense. Like you're locking in Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins and Chase Edmonds is like a solid PPR half PPR floor play. He's running a ton of routes, but it's going to be tough to to predict when it's a green game, when it's a, a Kirk game and when it's a Rondale Moore game. I've just seen DeAndre Hopkins mispractice Wednesday with a rib injury to keep the rib theme, but um, assuming assuming that's not a big deal, um, I'm with you as far as Rondell Moore. I know that Andy and Scott have talked about you better be adding him to your fantasy team if you hadn't yet. He was available in too many Yahoo leagues, but he is going to be more of a boomer bust guy, you know, kind of the schoolyard play that Murray, you know, that was a broken play, that long play downfield. You're right. And I, man, I don't, you might be a little bit more in on uh, AJ Green than me, but there's still bodies there for sure. And, and Hopkins is a target hog. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. More is more of a bench stash right now than a reliable guy in, in your normal normal size leagues. And man, how loaded was the top of that 2019 NFL draft? We're talking Murray, an MVP candidate, and you know maybe the league's best defensive player and Nick Bosa going too. Also, so we got a, a loaded top of the, of the draft. That was just my way of, of, of bragging about Bosa looking looking fully healthy again. But I know we're yeah, talking Niners good, later. Yeah. Go, ahead. Go ahead, move yeah, on. Yeah, no, he move, does move look, on. He does look good. Yeah, Rondo Moore. I think he got it right. He's like more of a bench stash and like wide receiver three four type of guy because he's going to be and it's funny that the big play that he made is not like in that's not really his skill set like working down the field that's not really what you expect but um could maybe more opportunities come maybe more opportunities in that degree come so look at this segue matt look at this segue niners up next on the on the old uh, outline well i was just about to segue to it and then you you uh you (laughs) teed it up for yourself (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, I mean, Sorry. on 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 your 49ers, not to rain on your Nick Bosa parade, but, and I think this is an important conversation to have from a Niners perspective and just an NFC West perspective. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo right now, 20% of his passes have been on screens. That's first in the NFL. Uh, he has the fewest air yards in the NFL. He's throwing into tight windows un- under 10% of his passes overall per next-gen stats. So, Dalton, my question to you is, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is playing cupcake football, but what flavor of cupcake do you think it is? Well, first of all, this is just bad news for fantasy managers all around. The Niners, all the running back situation, uh, all the injuries, 
Debo's great. I mean, he leads the league. Debo's great, yeah. Target share, so. yards, and like everything, yards per route run. But obviously, Ayuk has been on a milk carton, just totally missing. And here's the problem. Not only is it just all underneath stuff, but they're running the second slowest pace in neutral scripts, too. And they're going to be, with this cupcake schedule, they might be playing with the lead and a good defense. So it's just not a good recipe for, although there should be theoretical shootouts with the Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks later. But right now, it's just not a great recipe for fantasy success. And it's just all underneath stuff um man i don't know uh, jimmy g's so funny i have some you know niner fans uh, friends who are just like let's go to trey lance this is awful because he flat out missed some throws uh last week early on especially um and then you look at his numbers it's like we're gonna bench someone with a 9.1 ypa and zero uh turnovers this season and one sack one sack i mean but the niners by far the highest percentage of open targets thrown to too i mean it's a lot coaching so um, you tell me, I, you could go any other, a million different places here, but it looks like it's Jimmy G's job for the foreseeable future with Lance not even seeing a snap last week. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's, uh, that they're going to, they're going to probably keep winning. I, I would think, right? Like, um, I, I think Garoppolo really has to screw it up to get benched or get hurt, which by the way, Jimmy does both those things. He screws it up and he gets hurt. Like that, those are on the table. Like I do think the, Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick comparison with this team is is pretty interesting. Like later in the season, they might just go to Trey Lance to like take them over the hump uh, as the 49ers once did with Kaepernick uh, benching him or benching Alex Smith in favor of him, even when Alex Smith was playing really well and they were winning. I think there's a chance that happens. But yeah, for right now, man, my biggest takeaway is, I mean, they've got damn George Kittle running a route on fewer than 80% of Jimmy Garoppolo's dropbacks. I didn't even mention Kittle. Right. Great. He's been a huge disappointment. Huge. Imagine everyone took him over Hawkinson. I mean, yeah. Hey, yep, yep, yep. I mean, it's like, how could you not? But this scenario was always possible, right? Like, I don't know. And then the Ayuk thing, like his route percentage and his snap percentage jumped in week two. That's good. Um, I went back and watched and like, he's definitely getting open, but like he's getting open on vertical routes and they're not taking vertical shots. So it's like, are they just using him as a decoy or like a clear out guy? They did a lot of that in week one. And then there's still some of that in week two as well. So man, I don't know. I mean, my takeaway though, from this whole thing is the 49ers can't do this for much longer. The division is too good. The Rams are too good. Uh, they can put up points in bunches. The Seahawks can put up points in bunches. The Cardinals look like a better team through two weeks than the 49ers do. Like, also, it's not as if the 49ers just have – they have Nick Bosa and some of the guys up front, but their secondary is not in good shape. You know, I mean, I think Jalen Hurts, if J- damn Jalen Rager could stay in bounds, uh, they would have ripped him for a huge play in that game. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think at some point they have to open things up, potentially starting Sunday night against the right. Packers. You know, yeah, just, this is yeah. yeah, this is not the same team that has beat up on the Packers previously. This is a very different team. Like if they come out there with this cookie cutter offense, like I could see Rodgers shredding them. Yeah, I'll, I'll be at this game. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, I'd love to see a little Lance. But um, yeah, this this could be a game where the Niners have to, to open it up a little bit more because they might be f- be forced to with the Packers offense finally coming to life Monday night. But um. Yeah, I'm with you as far as long-term upside with 49ers playing this underneath game. It's just like a totally different game than the, than the, than the Raiders are playing all everything downfield. Yeah. It's just totally wild when you compare the two discrepancies. And, and Trey Lance has a cannon, and it could be it could totally just be different. Uh, he was apparently hitting Ayuk with all these deep passes throughout summer, and now it's just all underneath, underneath stuff just over and over and over. And I get it with Garoppolo. I mean, it's it's been effective, and they're winning 
So I don't know. I'm done trying to predict uh, what Shanahan is thinking. And everyone's made fun of a quote he had this last week about how rushing attempts are leading to wins. I'm not sure if he's trolling the the stats community at this point or if he's, yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I, I don't really think that he, that he thinks that there's the, the, the correlation yeah. is rushing attempts yeah. to winning. But I don't know. Uh, hey, the Niners are 2-0. And uh, it's been ugly, though. And it's certainly been a disaster for fantasy managers. Yeah, you like just basically put a knife in my heart when you said Trey Lance deep bombs to Brandon Ayuk like that hurt. That hurt my feelings, Dalton, when you when you said that from like a summer perspective. So that that was tough to listen to. But I mean, that's my my like maybe I'm stupidly optimistic on this or like I'm a I'm a hopeless romantic for the 49ers, the dream of what the 49ers could be. But I just think Kyle Shanahan can't do this for too long. Like I think they have I think I wouldn't be surprised, wouldn't be one bit surprised if like they really like go they really not like Trey Lance is going to start Sunday night but like they actually open up the offense on Sunday night. I mean just based on all the quotes that Shanahan gave in the offseason about, you know, or after they got worked by Josh Allen you know about needing a quarterback like that can dictate terms to the defense like having a guy even they're just like they're totally hiding Jimmy G right now and that's it's tough it's a let, tough season. let me let me counter with you and then we move on to the Niners real quick listen I have Trey Lance in, in 99% of my fantasy leagues and on, on benches here and I'd love to see him run all over the field and throw the ball deep downfield but from a real life uh, perspective legitimately the Niners have thrown they've had the most wide open targets high open target percentage of any team in football and he's getting 9.1 yards per attempt and not taking any sacks or turning the ball over I mean that is like how you win in the NFL right I mean you're just saying that's not sustainable to do it with that short or or do we just want to aesthetically be more pleased I both but um (laughs) I do think like the reason they have all these wide open targets because he's throwing twenty percent of his passes are screens. Like, of course, the, if they're the going screens. nine yards plus, though, I'm, and and they're and they're not risky. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm just saying. I, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here quickly. It's I, tough. Yeah, I mean, plus, yeah, I'm you Jimmy can G. you can beat you can beat the Lions and the Eagles doing that. But can you beat the Rams yeah. doing that? Can you beat when when like Matthew Stafford can throw the ball sixty plus yards in one in one shot and and drive that dagger in your heart? Russell Wilson can hit Tyler Lockett up the seam for a vertical play. Kyler Murray's throwing ten yards down the field and not doesn't need Debo Samuel to do all the work for him. You know, I mean, I just think you get yourself into like even just against the Eagles. We really are. Talk- this is just like a joke at this point. All we do is talk about. All I do is talk about the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at some point though, you've got it. Like last week against the Eagles, there was a whole half where Jimmy just wasn't doing anything. It was like a a re like ba- I, I basically like this is why you don't want him as your starting quarterback. And you can do that against the Eagles, but you can't go into that shell for an entire half against a good team. He also had two 90-yard uh, TD drives. But this is coming from someone who uh, does have a Jimmy G bobblehead behind me here sitting here in display. So take <laughs> this with point. a giant grain of, take it with a giant grain of salt. But uh, all right, man, Fair let's point. move off I don't think I don't think Jimmy stinks. I just I just think there's a ceiling on the offense, which uh, yeah, it, it, it is basically a glorified run game. They're passing attack, no question. I mean, it is dink and dunk. All right, speaking of a glorified running game, uh, Ryan Tannehill's play action dr- per dropback rate. Week one, 11.6%. We talked a lot about this. Week two, 31.1%. Uh, how encouraged were you with what you saw out of Tennessee in week two? Do you feel like uh, do you feel a lot better about your guys in Tennessee after uh, after this past week? 
Um, you got to be very encouraged. They made the adjustments. You know, I was down on Henry last week. I told Liz Loza I had Chris Carson ranked higher. Felt smart when Carson had, he might have even had two two touchdowns and Henry was like basically getting shut down at halftime. Yeah. Did the second half happen? And then the second half happened. Yeah, not only did Henry score three touchdowns and, and erupt, but he had his career high game in targets. I mean, it's pretty funny. If his, if that new role goes, that's, that's, that is, wow. I mean, why did I doubt Derrick Henry? Because uh, of the 800 carries the last two years? Well, it's, he entered, what's his career mark like 1100 it wasn't even close to that magical 1500 mark man i'm i'm jealous of those who have derrick henry he's this he's this gets the all every you don't have to question about you know the other guy who's he on the field or not like you do the other players so yeah and the fact that their passing game came to life with the play action yeah it's it's very encouraging tennessee after such a discouraging week one without arthur smith yeah totally i feel and aj brown by the way 17 targets nine catches had a lot of drops in week two there are legit people out there like i'm panicking about aj brown if people are freaking out about aj brown go buy aj brown in your league that's my only takeaway from the titans in week two um we can breeze through this one before we do the thursday night preview because we're running a little long here but um top five quarterbacks in completion percentage over expectation baker mayfield teddy bridgewater kyler murray who we talked a lot about Dak, obviously taylor heineke number five Number five for my guy, the pride of Old Dominion University, Taylor Heineke. Also, you can hit on any of those that you find the most interesting. But the one thing I found really interesting is Trevor Lawrence ranks dead last in this stat. Urban Meyer apparently said to Vic Fangio after their game last week that, oh, man, every team in the NFL is like playing Alabama every week. It's like, oh, my God, Urban, you got to be kidding me. I would find the whole Urban Meyer thing like funny if I'm not worried that he's going to screw up Trevor Lawrence. How how concerned are you about Jacksonville and any other names on that top five standout? I would just say that Baker Mayfield is due for some positive TD regression. I mean, 10.9 YPA and just one passing touchdown. They're just getting all the rushing scores there. He's playing well, man. I mean, without playing Beckham well. even and Landry going down. I mean, he's playing and he popped his shoulder in and out. It was his non-throwing shoulder last week. But <laughs> Baker Mayfield is playing playing some good football. Um, well, Trevor Lawrence, man, very interesting. It's, it's obviously a super small sample, but... Um, I thought he would at least put up some fantasy stats despite uh, Urban Meyer maybe in garbage time, Same. but that's pretty bad to rank, you know, the the stone last here in this stat. It's something to at least keep your eye on. Boy, the rookie quarterbacks, maybe I should be happy Trey Lance on the sideline looking at uh, old Zach Wilson and uh, Trevor Lawrence. And then Mac Jones, talk about dink and dunk. Man, there's not yeah. there's not much upside uh, what's going on there too. But anyway, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is the guy that I'm, ooh, that's interesting. I'm going to keep my eye on this. Yeah, he's. I don't think he's played well the last two weeks. I mean, there are definitely some throws you're like, all right, that's it. Like, that is so impressive. But, I mean, I've seen the comparisons to, like, uh, Peyton Manning's rookie year where he put up a bunch of numbers but also led the NFL in interceptions. I could see that. But, I mean, the biggest problem with Trevor Lawrence is, like, they did that whole stupid charade where they made him the backup quarterback all offseason and, like, they were making like, – because a quarterback competition, like – it's the same thing with Justin Fields. Like, what's that? Like, the first passes he's ever thrown to Allen Robinson came in that game on on Sunday when he had to come in in relief. Like, this wow. is why you – I don't know, man. It's it, That makes me nervous about the whole um, Jacksonville thing. Like, uh, LaVisca Chenault has been really disappointing. It's like basically Marvin Jones and nobody else there. Yeah, no. that's It has been very big disappointment. Yeah, man, Chenault, at least MRI came back clean. But that guy – in the highest stakes leagues, he was pushed up to like a sixth rounder by the, so the drafts. Bad. And man, that looks that looks rough because Marvin Jones is the clear number one guy there. And in Shark is number two, probably. So that, that's a problem. 
so easy to see coming. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about Thursday night DFS preview. Single game contests are available. Uh, my preview column for this game is up on the website right now. If you want to check it out before the game uh, kicks off. But Dalton, we've got the Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans. Uh, think last time I checked, the Panthers were eight point favorites on the road against Davis friggin' Mills. Uh, how do you expect this game to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, one couple things here. First of all, I, I called I called the Niners a sleeper D la, uh, two years ago, and Washington a sleeper D last year, and I swung and missed on Carolina this this year. They were right there for the taking in hindsight because two drafts ago they spent literally every single part of their draft capital on defense. Last year, Jay Seahorn top ten pick. The, in that division, I wanted to pick a sleeper. I came away with Atlanta. It was is Panthers. I think they are a legit wild card contender. Sam Darnold, another obvious one. You get him out outside of Adam Gase, and now he, he's thriving. And obviously they're using DJ Moore correctly underneath Moore. And, and McCaffrey's a stud. So, I mean, you just love what's going on in Carolina. That said, I don't know how they're going to be as, you know, favorites against a backup quarterback when everyone's going to, you know, like them. So um, one interesting note here in, in Yahoo DFS specifically, there's for some reason less, their salary's lower than Houston's defense. But you cannot, yeah. at 15, at $15, though, you still can't fit in McCaffrey, Darnold, Moore, and that defense. You're $1 off with the 10 minimum fitting them in there. So some decisions to be made other than one decision you don't have to, to stress too much over is McCaffrey is the superstar. That might be yeah. the most slam dunk one of all time. But um, yeah, do you have any other thoughts on this other than um, uh, after Pat Mayo pointed it out, but Davis Mills sounds a lot like Detective David Mills from Seven. So what's in the box <laughs> joke should be thrown, but I don't know if nice. you you might be too too young. For no, the seven I've reference, seen, but, I've uh, seen, I've okay. seen it, I've seen okay. it. Okay, all right. I've but yeah, no, Dave, too bad that, Dave, that uh, Tyrod Taylor got hurt again. Yeah. You, you're right, man. Your survivor, I did not use uh, the Browns. Uh, I used the Packers and and that was uh, live at halftime that uh, that dog was live with Ty- to Taylor, but when he came out yep. at not half, then that was a uh, breaks for your Browns guys. And Davis Mills Thank is God. obviously, obviously, uh, you know, a problem for Brandon Cooks's of the world. But do you have any thoughts on this game? Brandon Cooks leads all players in percentage of team air yards right now. I mean, he has wow. been, but he like, wow. can you can you play him with Davis Mills as the quarter? I think you could. You got to bump him to like a flex consideration when he was like a wide receiver too, um, in a bad matchup too. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, the Panthers have been hunting up front. I mean, Brian Burns looks like he's taken that leap to be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. The athleticism is disgusting on this front seven. Um, it's really exciting. Like it was one of those things where you watch them in week one and you had to make a decision. Was that the jets offensive line being terrible or the Panthers defensive line being great or both. And the correct answer was both. It was a definite, definite both. Uh, right now the Panthers have, uh, they have a 25% pressure rate and they lead all teams with 19 quarterback hits and the offense is like 14th in DVOA. So it's been solid with Sam Darnold there. Chris, uh, Christian McCaffrey, as you mentioned, leads in the NFL in yards from scrimmage. DJ Moore. I think if you re if you're doing rest of the season rankings right now, I think DJ Moore might be a top 12 receiver. I think he's kind of taking that jump away from everybody here. Uh, he leads the Panthers over McCaffrey too. Way over Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall with 19 targets. The air yards, as you mentioned, have come down, which has leveled out his play. But yeah, the the question is like, if you're building a lineup on the slate, I'm tempted to use the Panthers defense, but then you can only use one of Sam Darnold or DJ Moore. And then you got to think about like, all right, do I play Brandon Cooks and David Johnson? Uh, Or like, but if you're going to not play the defense, is there a $10 flyer from the Texans that you like? What about Anthony Miller? Danny Amendola is not going to play. Anthony Miller might be active. Yeah, and this that is- same vein, same Chris Conley, too. 
Chris Conley's $10. Anthony Miller. I mean, Anthony Miller always flops. I'm going to say Conley's the guy. I think he's going to be the guy who weirdly gets the targets at $10. And then Terrace Marshall at $14. Uh, DJ Moore, we talk about air yards a lot, and I reference it all the time, but sometimes the lower A dot is better. Like Mike Williams, example A, getting more yes. targets underneath, actually executing. And, and DJ Moore, he had two red zone catches all of last season, so it was great to see him have a, a catch inside the five for a touchdown, an end zone target there uh, on that slant. So his role looks better. I, I, I thought that Robbie Anderson was maybe going to be the one guy there with old teammate Sam Darnold, but no, he's just used for clear out roles. He's he's concerning if you have him. Um, DJ Moore, uh, DJ Moore looks. I'm with you. Top twelve looks looks right. Looks like all those film film guys were were totally totally right. And then quickly, the Panthers defense number one in DVOA rush and number one in DVOA pass. I mean, you rarely see that. Just two games, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah, this is a tough. Um tough lineup to build this week I think because the Texans are so gross with Davis Mills I mean it was just a shame because at least like this these guys have competent veterans and with Tyrod they could be pretty good but like even David Johnson like I was thought of you know I wrote him up as a sneaky cheap option because he's 13 bucks and yeah. has he's running the most routes but he's also kind of splitting the passing downs with Rex Burkhead for whatever reason so who knows man it's it's a messy lineup build but obviously the the locks have to be McCaffrey and the superstar and DJ Moore everything else is kind of Fig- figure it out. I don't know. I, you can. I do think we, Anthony Miller is interesting, but that might just be like a, a old bias I have for Anthony Miller. I mean, you know. But you're right, though. He does yeah. always flop. <laughs> no, he just burned me. Is why I'm bitter. It's, uh, don't listen to me. I'm just bitter. I was in on him too, but plenty, plenty of times. Yeah, Sam Darnold, good for him, man. It's cool to see him out there have some, yeah. some success. You know, the only uh, only quarterback in the NFL yet to uh, take a snap while trailing this season. Sam Darnold, what a time to be alive. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you're playing with leads and you're playing with Christian McCaffrey and Joe Brady than when you're getting uh, crushed on the Jets and you've got, you know, a bunch of dust to skill position players and Adam Gase. Yeah, life is a little easier for Sam Darnold these days. But hey, our life is easier, Dalton, because we finished the podcast. So I appreciate you hanging out with me, man. This has been awesome. Always good to kind of uncover some things from the notebook here and really enjoy all these uh, stat debates we get to have. If you love social media and being angry, make sure you follow at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and at Dalton Del Don uh, on Twitter. If you want great fantasy analysis and news updates from our whole team, give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm like Ron Burgundy, just reading whatever's on the outline at this point. Yikes, tough scene for me. Meanwhile, while I'm trying to recover from this tough scene, uh, I'm going to go check out some podcasts here. Everyone outside of Dalton is looking for a preview of this weekend's college football action. We have two previews for you. Check out the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel and Pete Thamel and our friend Pat Forty from SI. And if you want to make money betting on the games, also give a listen to Yahoo Sportsbook Daily. Subscribe to both on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's it for Stat Nerd Thursday. Dalton will be back tomorrow with a preview of Sunday's NFL games with Liz Loza. But until then, we're out. 